Good morning, everybody, and welcome to On Texas Football Today, Coffee and Football. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined by Jerry Hamilton and Justin Wells, both of On3 and Inside Texas. Of course, guys, Bobby is on his way to Austin this morning. <laughs> he will uh, be live at the co-op later, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. But, uh, guys, let's just get right into it. Um, you know, as I said, one day away from the opener. Sark, of course, had a press conference yesterday. Jerry, what were some of the main takeaways or maybe some, some things that you learned that stood out from that conference? I, I thought the funniest thing was, you know, people asked a couple times about quarterback two versus quarterback three, starting running back position. Uh, a lot of people asked those questions multiple times, and Sark was not obviously going to take the bait. He was said there will be a depth chart released uh, before the game, which is how it was last year, which is, well, you know, that, so that depth chart's about 26, 27 hours away at this point. Uh, but, yeah, he didn't really uh, – he wasn't going to take the bait on any of the questions. Um, he talked about the competition as, you know, ongoing. And, um, look, we we reported inside Texas, and, you know, I did again yesterday that, you know, Cedric Baxter's got some number one reps in practice this week. Does that mean he's going to start? We'll find out Saturday. Um, but I think just overall, guys are excited, ready to get going. Um, and it's just, it's a great time for Texas fans because look, the, uh, I talked to somebody again this week, um, and I mentioned this yesterday, but when coaches from other sports who have been around the university a long time, if they've walked over the practice, they sense a little bit dif different with this team. They, they see it a little bit differently. Those guys know talent. They see the talent. Uh, they see the progression in the program. So I think there's an overall excitement around the program headed into tomorrow, and that's more than just a football coach and the football team, that I can tell you. <laughs> well, one of the other things that was, was interesting, Jerry, was there was an A.J. Milwee note. And uh, I was wondering if you could touch on that for us. Yeah, so A.J. Milwee has been in the booth uh, the first two years under Sark. This year he's moving to the field, and um, that is something that was expected. Uh, they actually put that out in the game notes yesterday, but that's something that's been expected because I think that what they, Texas wants ideally is A.J. Milwee down there on the field to talk with the quarterbacks in between position uh, possessions. Sark's the head coach. He can't do that. He can't give that as much attention as he would like. Uh, so A.J. Milwee goes from on, on, in the booth to on the field this year, and that is directly to talk to Quinn Ewers, eyeball to eyeball, see, look at what they're looking at talk about the uh, previous previous possession to help maximize Quinn in this quarterback position moving forward. Uh, that is something that uh, I think Sark, Sark has looked at for the last couple of years, um, decided to go that way this year, and I, they think that's going to be a big help to Quinn uh, from possession to possession. No doubt about it. And then the other big news today, of course, Dominic McKinley, the five-star out of Louisiana, going to make an announcement. Uh one of you, whichever one wants to do it, give us the latest on that. Well, I mean, we both can, but, uh, you know, Dominic had not notified the schools um, last night where he was going. Uh, he began that process this morning um, around 730. And uh, I can tell you that uh, three schools have been notified that it's not going to be them that I know of. And Texas is one of them. Um, you know, if, if he doesn't go to a and I'll be surprised. Uh, Todd Bates is scheduled to be on a plane and headed in uh, Lafayette after practice today uh, after their walkthrough this morning in Norman. Uh, so we'll see if Oklahoma 
uh, is also notified that it's not them uh, prior to this 3.30 announcement. But uh, I put in uh, an RPM for Texas A&M a few minutes ago. And, of course, we just had a super chat from Z from the T. who says, does Texas get a commitment today? Percentage chances. Justin saying 0%. Jerry, I'm going to guess that you're going to agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, today uh, today doesn't look like it. 0.0. <laughs> Unless Texas starts calling Florida commitments right now. <laughs> hey, Wardell listen. Mack? I would call Wardell Mack last night. <laughs> <laughs> Utah took them to the woodshed, y'all. <laughs> From the opening play. Without yeah. Cam Rising. Without Cam Rising. Yeah. And not very much to Quinton Jackson. I was yeah. hoping to see more JQJ. Yeah. But, yeah, Wardell Mack, and he's going to be on campus in 24 hours. That just became a little bit more relevant. <laughs> <laughs> hey, because uh, Florida's – that's they got a tough schedule in front of them as well. Uh, and that's before poor Billy Napier's 24 schedule. Next, I mean, if y'all haven't looked at, uh, if y'all haven't looked at the Florida twenty twenty four schedule, oof, not the year to go uh, six and six for Billy Napier right now. Jerry, why didn't they take Jaden Rashada? I thought they should have taken a shot at Jaden Rashada. Did you see? I, what, did I, you I, see I, what he did with, with Arizona State last I can night? Tell you can this, you I've been, I've can been you, told by two people inside the Arizona State program they think he's going to be a first round pick. So, but can you imagine if Rashada would have wound up in Gainesville? Man, it's it's almost like he'd be worth the NIL. Because oh, Graham Mertz, Graham Mertz ain't doing it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, let's start getting into some questions. Again, plenty of time to get those questions in, so please do so. And uh, we had a super chat as soon as I came into the room this morning. It's directed towards you, Jerry, from Justin Yarbrough. Yes. And he says, how about them stings? Y'all have a good morning and hook them. Justin, I don't know if you were at the game last night. I was at Texas City Galveston Ball. Big rivalry. I wasn't there. Yeah. Hey, um, Justin. Uh, <laughs> by the way, by the way, that is the most security I've ever seen at a high school football game. Was it at ball? It was at Texas City, but it don't matter. Oh. I mean. The most, um, yeah. It, it, but yeah, I'll tell you what, um, Jonah Williams, look, he, he's got to continue to get more physical on the field, but he's a hellacious talent. I mean, he moves at a different speed, his size, 80 inch wingspan. I spent some time talking to the baseball coach and, um, they think the, uh, the, the baseball coach says, this is definitely a recruitment that's going to involve both sports. He is, yeah. Uh, the the major league scouts really like Jonah Williams at a young age. Um, I mean, because of that size, he may not have as much natural power as his younger brother that had a cup of coffee in major league baseball, but he's got enough to build on uh, with that speed. Uh, Jerry, he's, a, left, he's, he's a left-handed pitcher. I know. Yeah, he's yeah, drafted he's, as an outfielder. They're going right, to like him. But that kid, he already throws in the high 80s yeah. on the bump, and that's as yeah. a sophomore. Yeah, yeah he's, junior, rather. he's got a right fielder's arm. That's what that's what kind of the baseball coach was saying last night is uh, Jonah Williams has a right fielder's arm. And I can tell you this, the scene, from what I was told, Texas, Texas A&M, and LSU. I mean, we'll see where this recruitment goes. But early on, I think those are the three to watch. I, that's kind of getting familiar in recruiting in the state in the state of Texas right now, guys. A and M looks good in that one right now. Unfortunately. <laughs> well, speaking of A&M, we'll <laughs> and I'll say the first time I ever went to Galveston Ball, we played ball in district when I was at Clear Creek. 
And the first time I ever went to ball was through uh, metal detectors. Yeah. 1992. <laughs> Hook them from Fort Liberty, North Carolina, man. I love it when all these guys bring in where they're, where they're checking in from. That's awesome, especially 24 hours out from game day here. Uh, by the way, inside Texas, we've got our live weekend thread up. Come talk all the trash. Uh, have fun talking about the Texas Rice game all week, and that's mm-hmm. after the game as well. Um, I know the Texas-Alabama thread next week will be crazy. Uh, we're getting it going <laughs> with Texas Rice this week. All right, guys. Well, real quick, I want to circle back just because we are having so many questions about Dominic McKinley. So, Jerry, I'm, I'm hoping or you or Justin can kind of fill in the gap for some of these people right here. But uh, your beef jerky apparently has a question, Jerry. And he says, the AM doesn't make any sense for McKinley. The defensive line coach just passed away, of course. Bad locker room stories. Weird, weird male cheerleaders. Make this make sense to me. Sincerely, your beef jerky. I think one thing with Dom is, um, look, I think within the family, there was difference of opinion. Um, yeah. I think with Dom, one thing to uh, to know that I kept coming down the stretch is, you know, College Station, Lafayette, very similar. Very, very similar in size. Uh, Dom's a small town guy. Um, you know, he spent summers in a uh, at his grandmother's in Mississippi, a town of 600 people. Um, so I think that had a factor with that as well. He had, he was going to stay close to home. I mean, I really do think so. Maybe, Hey, maybe look, he surprises and commits to Oklahoma at three 30. Um, but I just think he was going to stay close to home at the end of the day. in this process, his brother uh, being a 2026 defensive end has two years of Friday night football. It was going to be, it would be tough for the mom and the brother to jump on a plane on Saturday and get somewhere for uh, Dom's college games, especially if, Darius has Saturday morning activities around high school football. So there's some travel logistical issues in this recruitment because of Darius's age. And then he's going to major in computer science. And look, yes, Texas has the best uh, computer science uh, degree of any of the schools that he's considering. Texas A&M's not bad there, guys. So, uh, But I think a small town. Uh, but, I mean, look, Elijah Robinson is was the recruiter of Dominic McKinley, it, it, just to be clear. All right, and then we have a, a follow-up question here, Jerry, from David Pruitt. And he says, so a 0% chance today for McKinley, but what's the percentage to get him by signing day? Do you think he's a possible flip candidate down the road? I, you know, look, I don't think any of these schools will back off recruiting him. Um, when I was at Acadiana two weeks ago, the staff said we're treating this as a commitment and definitely not a signing ceremony. So um, we'll see what happens there. Um uh, but uh, I, I think I think all the schools that finish second and third will continue and fourth will continue to recruit uh, Dominic McKinley through the whistle because anybody that's followed Sark in recruiting, that's what these guys do. All right, guys. Uh, I wanted to touch on this real quick because I teased it a second ago, but this is Bobby Burton checking in from 30,000 <laughs> feet in the air. He says, hook him. Bobby, of course, as I said, on his way to Austin this morning, uh, he will be at, at the co-op later today. It's uh, from 3 to 4 p.m., I believe. Happy hour at the co-op with special deals. Um, definitely go out, see him along with Rod. Jerry, I believe you're going to be checking in as well. So if, if you have nothing going on today, make your way down to the co-op, 3 to 4 p.m. Yeah, Bobby, come on Rod down to the Jerry. co-op. Yeah, Bobby, Rod will be there. I might pop in at some point. I'm getting on the road shortly um after this show ends so yeah it'll be uh 
it'll be a good time down in Austin tonight, today at co-op, tonight, this weekend. Uh, I'm going to be at a couple of uh, tailgates tomorrow before the game. One of those with uh, around the basketball guys are having a tailgate uh, tomorrow. So uh, come look everybody up, man. Come say hello to uh, Rodney Terry, Frank Haith, basketball team. All those guys will be hanging out with Texas fans. Uh, somebody asked, do we have a silent commitment? The answer is that's yes. Not all silent commitments end up going public, but yes, there is. <laughs> it wouldn't be a live stream if we didn't have that question. All right. We have a uh, question here. A super chat, guys, from Chris Tovar. He says, hook them. Who will be the player of the game tomorrow? Justin will be coverage of the game. Justin, who you have for player of the game? <laughs> Cedric Baxter. Interesting. I, you know, he stole my answer. Uh, I kind of <laughs> we're going we're to be the same on this. I, I, I want to say Jalen Catalan, but I think Jalen Catalan so important for Bama next week. They they'll get his feet wet. Um, I'm why well, UT boy said Jonte in a shock to all of us. He went with Jonte Cook. Um, <laughs> that has to be Jonte's bird, by the way. Byron Murphy, David Williams, that's a pretty good bet because I think Texas is going to smother Rice on the interior of this game. I'm going with Cedric Baxter as well. I'm going with Justin Wells. I don't think Rice is going to be able to stop the run. I don't know Texas is going to be able to throw it on Rice. I just think the Texas offensive line is going to push on Rice a little bit in this game. Honey Badger went with Alfred Collins. I'm saving my Alfred Collins player of the game pick for uh, the Big 12 championship game. He seems to do well in those in bowl games. And you don't have your sunglasses with you today I, either. I don't, yeah, they're in the car. <laughs> All right, guys, let's go to the next one here. Um, this from Chris Barr, and he says, how much of this week of practice was dedicated to Alabama? Justin, what you got? Zero. <laughs> now – the last three weeks, exactly. we brought over Bama install. After you know that first scrimmage was a lot of was with some Bama install when they had Alex um, Alfred Collins coming off the edge because they're gonna they're already preparing to set the edge against Alabama, who's gonna try to run it down their throat. And so that there was some Bama prep for the last three weeks. Not this week though. You don't you don't talk Bama before Rice. That's a bad that's a bad notion, and I don't think Sark's gonna allow that. Uh, this next question, guys, I'm actually going to take uh, from the Inside Texas Forums. And it is from CBooty27. And he says, regarding Milwee moving to the field, can you explain some pros and cons of having coaches on the field versus in the booth? Yeah, I think uh, uh, pros are obviously, look, an offensive line coach is going to be on the field. He's got five, He's got the most guys on the field. He's got a five-man unit. And the communication in between possessions is paramount there. I love, same with defensive line. Um, I love Milwee being on the field, guys. I, Justin, you haven't chimed in on this, but I really believe that having Milwee on the field, because here's the reality. I, I if they ha They're doing this for a reason. They thought Quinn's first year, that would have helped him because Sark has head coaching duties to have A.J. on the field eye-to-eye -eye talking about possession to possession. Yeah. Um, I think that's a huge deal. And I think moving forward, that is going to be a big deal. If Quinn has a great year, goes off to the NFL like many expect, Texas is going to have a first-year starting quarterback next year. So this is not something where A.J. Mill will be going back to the booth next year. He's he's going to be on the field. 
to go from talk to these quarterbacks from possession to possession. And I think it's a very smart move by Sarkeesian and staff. And maybe that's easy to do if Paul Christ is sitting in the press box and you have those eyes up there. That That's my point. Yeah. Like, I honestly kind of want my OC in the booth because you want those guys get you want those guys to see the field so much more than other coaches. Like they an OC seeing the seeing the lay of the land, I'm telling you that's how you set up plays. And so I I like my OC in the booth. Now, that reminds me of Sean Watson and the uh Texas Iowa State game. When Riley Dodge was a GA and he was sitting right beside him. And people don't know this, but Sean got real upset because Swoops did something he wasn't supposed to, and he wound up throwing the ball, and John Harris made a play, and Texas wound up winning. But I think people remember that response. I think people remember that reaction in the booth. The OC in the booth is a pretty pretty standard thing. I do like Milwee on the field, though, because I do think yours is more of a uh, an auditory guy. I yes. think you see him – and he hears you, that's how he grasps things better. And I think Arch is the same way as well. And so this is going to be a, a move that's probably, like you said, more than permanent. Um, but that's another beauty of having a Paul Christ and, and having these guys, you got to have that, those eyes in the booth. Like you, that's how you find things. That's how you see things. And that's why you hire these guys. You bring in as many of these guys that have experience and understand what they're seeing and that's why you haven't you have the luxury of bringing a Milwee down to, to to the field. That's because you you bring in those guys that have been there. Otherwise, I would be a little hesitant with this move. But I think these guys are there's so many guys that know what they're looking for, especially with the new assistants. And so Milwee on the field. Let's see how that works. I think that's a good marriage with Quinn in particular. Hey, we have a question, uh, Blake. We want I want to get to yeah about the uh, move to the ACC. Uh, I just that was that just broke this morning. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I wanted this. Somebody asked a question and I can't find it. It was around eight oh three in that area. The ACC taking SMU is hilarious. Somebody asked, "Do I think Texas will still have a top ten class?" I do. I do. Uh, I think Texas will sign a third straight top ten class, uh, uh, and we'll see uh, again how many five stars Texas end up signing. We'll tell you if they can have a third straight top five or not. Nothing's changed for me. Texas will sign a third straight top ten class. All right, Jerry, while I continue to look for that comment, I'm going to go ahead and ask all this from King Me. He says, with this being the last year in the Big 12, how much will home field advantage play in our favor? I think uh, Stephen Houston asked the question at 826. We found that. Um, Thank you. Look. For the Texas home field, I don't know. I mean, I think it, it obviously matters. It matters if if you're winning and the, and the fans are a million percent behind this team. Um, I actually think for Texas and OU, the road being on the road, those games, those teams have a, an advantage because they it's going to bring out all the hate, right? It's the embrace the hate, um, and Texas will get more of it than Oklahoma. But it, Texas all is always everybody's super. One. I would say OU is on the road too, but this year, more so. This is the last chance that for TCU at home against Texas. This may be the only chance for U of H at home against Texas. Um, I don't know what's happening at Iowa State. So, I mean, but it, the road games this year are going to be even more aggressive for fan bases 
when Texas comes to town. That's my opinion. I think obviously Texas will have a, a huge home field advantage. They always do. I think next year is going to be crazy when Florida and Georgia come to DKR. But we're talking about last year in the Big 12. I think their home field advantage is – I think that's actually legitimate because I was hesitant until last year when Will Anderson said he had never in his career at Alabama seen a crowd like Austin. Yeah. And that, that's a pretty bold set because that's a guy that's played at every – you know, when you play at Bama from top to bottom, you, you've seen it all. And so I think Texas is building more of a home field advantage as as the, as the program builds, as Sark kind of gets his guys. And, 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 Jerry, you said it. If Texas is winning, the, the fans are behind them a million percent. That's when it matters. That's when that crowd starts to get loud and, and actually starts affecting the game. That's when you want, like, a legitimate home field advantage. Now, next year, when Georgia and Florida run through – um, that's that's going to be another level. I think you're right about that. But I, I would say it's going to be – if the, the, do they get a home field advantage? It's going to be dependent on the crowd. And if that crowd comes like they did at Alabama last year, yeah, Texas is going to have some, 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 some easier times in Austin. Okay, so we got the question here from Stephen Houston, guys. He says Cal – or comment, I guess. Cal, Stanford, and SMU to the ACC <laughs> is just weird. LOL. I, I agree. What do you all think? I, I can't even imagine from a recruiting standpoint the travel. I mean, can you imagine guys play, being at Stanford and Cal, not like they have big fan bases, but like, and we're not even talking football, but think about making a basketball schedule. Think about other sports. Like, yes. Does like, SMU even play baseball? Uh, no. 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 <laughs> They're Blake going to the ACC. That. They might the one, well. one place the S kid hasn't got a letter from. Um, but Cal and Stanford going three time zones for games. Like, I know they don't have fan bases already, but maybe it's the flip side. You think Dabo is very happy about having to go to Stanford or Cal and play a football game right now? I think this is just going to push the teams that want to go to the SEC even more. If you're if you're uh, Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina, and Duke, you're like, yeah, we, we got to get this whole SEC thing done. And I do think if North Carolina goes to the SEC, Duke will go as well. What are you talking about? What are you talking about, Duke and North Carolina, the SEC? Are you trying to start some new realignment thread, realignment <laughs> news? Because I have had it with realignment. <laughs> Joe and I talked about this a while back on Questions Answered, the highly popular show on On Texas Football. And it's like, what, what are you trying to do, Jerry? Are you trying to start a whole new realignment thing? Because, listen, <laughs> nothing clicks. Nothing clicks. I know. Realignment news. I know. We're going. We're rolling. (laughs) Jerry's talking about North Carolina to the SEC. And Mac, is Mac Brown coming? Because he's one win shy of being the only coach in college football history to have 100 wins at two different schools. So is Mac Brown coming? So you're going to tell me Texas could potentially play against Mac Brown? I, I, I'm not convinced Mac Brown will be coaching after Drake May goes to the NFL this year, but that's, that's my one opinion. Great point. <laughs> you got Justin Wells all riled up early this morning. Well, it took me 23 minutes. Come on, dude. <laughs> it took me 23 minutes. I should have sent this text at 730. Hey, here's what we're hitting on, Justin. Go. <laughs> I just – 
<laughs> Man, it's one day before Texas football. I am like, it's Christmas Eve, guys. I am ready to open presents, man. I'm ready for the kickoff. I'm ready for actual football. We're that close. And I'm not wrapping my head around SMU to the ACC. That is not just weird, Stephen. It seems sacrilegious. There's just something off about it. And then now Jerry's dropping North Carolina and Duke Nuggets to the SEC. So let's just get crazy day before kickoff. Let's just do it. Oh, I like it. I love it. Okay, guys. Kevin Nye here with the Super Chat. He says, guys, does the loss slash beatdown of yes. Florida help us with any recruits? Hook well, I think, well, I think uh, people over, oftentimes overreact to one game, but the rest of Florida's season is, is what's going to impact things. I mean, look, you could lose this game and magically come back and go eight and four. None of us think it's going to happen. But if you do, then one loss doesn't kill you. You can come back if you beat Florida State at the end of the year, if you win a couple of games, right? Do we think it's going to happen right now? No, we don't. But So I think if the losses stack up, it has a huge impact. Um, and so anybody recruiting – hold on. <coughs> Sorry. Anybody recruiting against Florida uh, is going to be uh, – it's going to be sharks in the water around Gainesville now in recruiting. Justin, anything to add? Wardell Mack, baby. Don't sneeze. <laughs> Wardell Mack. Listen, he is a numbers buster. You 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 want a Wardell Mack in every cycle if you can. Texas is not going to let up. And Florida is 0-4 in their last four games. And I believe all of them have virtually been blowouts. Billy Napier's in trouble. Hey, Graham, hey. Graham Mertz ain't it. And it's almost like they should have used NIL to get somebody at quarterback, like a Jaden Rashada. Maybe. Maybe a guy that Arizona th State thinks can be a first-round pick. Um, he was slinging hey, it. Troy Amiri caught a touchdown yesterday. I know. That was good to see. Uh, so here's the other thing with Florida, though. It's not just the guys Texas is recruiting. Like Gibson. Some kids in state in 2025. DeAndre Robinson. DeAndre Robinson and Jarrett Gibson, who Florida is going to try to keep recruiting through the whistle on their end. Good That's luck. where it really solidifies things with Texas. If they go out and do their job on the field, then any of those the recruiting pitches by Florida, it's going to ring a little more hollow. So that, so while Wardell Max, what Texas fans are focused on, remember, Cedric Baxter showed up at FSU twice last year after he committed to Texas. Texas wasn't worried, but the recruiting process goes on. The uh, Florida, Florida State. They aren't giving up on – Florida's not giving up on DeAndre Robinson, Jarrett Gibson. They're not doing their job if they just let the kids walk out of state and don't give it effort till December. So if you start stacking losses, then they, they, they're not going to have a chance. All right, let's move on here. This one from your friend, UT boy, Jerry. And he says, Jerry Hamilton, I believe we take care of our business on the field and recruiting will take care of itself. Uh, yeah, I'm not worried about that. Um, I, I, I think uh, I think Texas, like I said, they'll sign a third straight top 10 class and um, we'll see how many five stars fall their way because that's going to tell the story of uh, just how high inside the top 10 they finish. OK, this next question, guys, is from Steve O'Matic, and he says of UT's young wide receivers, including the 24 commits, which one has the highest ceiling and which one the highest floor? Justin, be careful. Steve O'Matic's trying to get us in trouble with UT boy here. <laughs> um, I'm, uh, uh, <laughs> um, look, highest ceiling is John Tay Cook. Size, speed, combination, 
really understanding of the position. I think Marjan Hooks has done a great job with him. He has the highest ceiling. Um, that doesn't mean he's the best athlete in the group, and he's a good athlete. Ryan Niblett's explosive. I think DeAndre Moore can, will be the most consistent guy of all of them. Um, I just think the guy's got a natural, innate feel for playing the position. He is such a smooth mover. He's going to get open, and people are going to wonder how. Um, at DBs, we, Rod Babers, we're going to talk about this uh, some next week, but talk about just how smooth he is and how difficult that can be for corners uh, because there's nothing rigid. There's nothing that's explosive with him. But DeAndre Moore is so smooth, just knows how to get open. But Jontae Cook has the highest ceiling. I'll give you two guys for highest floor, and those are the two 2024 commits. I, I don't think it's the highest floor necessarily, but Freddie DeBose, if, if he gets, if he's a hundred percent, Jerry, yeah, he's a, he's a different guy. Yeah, he's a, he's a big time athlete. He's a different guy, and and he's on that trajectory. He's on that path. And then Parker Livingstone, nobody talks about this kid enough. But my goodness, you know, he, you talk about a guy with a chip on his shoulder and, and he's performing like he, he's been showing up for years and dominating and just kind of getting overlooked for the most part. And you know what? He didn't care. And so I, I, I kind of like these these 2024, the floor of these 2024 commits. I think a Ryan Wingo would be really complimentary to add to this 2024 cycle with these guys. But I agree with you. I think Jonte's got the highest ceiling. Now, if we're going to combine those guys, Ryan Wingo's a freak. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. When he said included 2024 commits, you put Ryan Wingo in that thing. Because I do think the floor is like a Parker. It, it, yeah. it is kind of like a Freddie DuBose. And if that's your floor, that's fantastic. But you had a Ryan Wingo. Now you're cooking with grease. Yeah. Okay. And uh, real quick, Jerry, while you were talking about John T. Cook, UT boy here. He says, who? Jerry Hamilton? <laughs> With his super chat. So. <laughs> Future DeSoto Hall of Famer. <laughs> uh, if somebody's asking if Quentin Johnson's a cop for Freddie DeBose, Quentin's a bigger guy. Um, so that Which wouldn't, year be too? wouldn't be a comp for me. I mean, Quentin was, you know, 6'4 dude that could. Freddie was more of a track guy. Yeah. I, I think Quentin Johnson's, that's a different comp. Okay, Justin, this next one is for you from Kevin Nye. And he Me? says, do you feel better than 75% that we get Kobe Black? I feel good that Texas gets Kobe Black. I think Texas is in a great position with, with, with the Waco Conley on three industry ranking five-star. Um, he's already, man, at 6'2", almost 200 pounds, playing safety for Conley. I'm actually going to be in Conley tonight for their rivalry game with La Vega. I've heard that that uh, the games get pretty rowdy, and so I'll be hanging out with Kobe and, and his family and, and and getting the latest. But I I don't know about your percentages, Kevin, but I'll tell you I like Texas chances with Kobe Black. Okay, guys, this next one from Rand Rod Rodriguez, LFC. Do you guys have any potential late developers at the defensive line position in the high school ranks? Uh, let's see as the season gets moves along with that, or. You know, look if uh, if anybody uh, Texas is uh, recruiting may circle back to Texas. So uh, let's see, kind of see what happens with that. These guys are recruiting through the whistle. Um, if they want to, if they sign a fourth high school defensive lineman, you can bet he's going to be a very good player because they're not going to be list players at Texas. 
Okay, we got a super chat here from William Niche. But before I get to it, guys, don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button. We would definitely appreciate it. Plenty of time to get your questions in. Hey, Blake. Go ahead, Justin. Real quick. Hey, Jerry. Guess who, guess who offered Zion Williams this morning? Um, let's see. There's only Georgia, Alabama. Alabama's um, already offered in person. Um, Georgia. Yeah, I'm going with Georgia. He texted me this morning. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Zion's about to blow up. Well, he's very <laughs> underrated. <nationally. laughs> very underrated national. Somebody send his tape to Charles Power for, for eval. <laughs> All right. For eval. <laughs> the super chat from William Nee says, what do you think about the new clock rule? Yeah. It has made a noticeable difference. Seems like good coaches will find a way to use this to their advantage. What is y'all thoughts? I think that's a great point, and I absolutely agree. Um, Miguel Gonzalez, we have some more questions coming in. Yeah, uh, McKinley's not committing to Texas today. Um, I, I put in a pick for AM. He's in form Texas. He's not headed their way, um, from what we understand. Um, I, I, I think – it's a great question here. Um, I, I, I've had, I have a couple of thoughts on this. I think first down run defense has never been more important in college football. I think getting, getting teams behind the chains is huge, especially teams, especially coaches that um, play style to where they can milk that clock. Uh, they can condense that game. Because at teams, uh, what were there, seven games last weekend, eight games in college football? Teams lost 5.5, 5.7 plays per game. So they lost a possession per game. I had a college uh, position coach tell me three weeks ago when we were discussing this, that if you play a team that's successful running the ball on early downs and they know that is their bread and butter and they know how to run the football and they're really good at it, uh, that could be with running back and then quarterback run game combined, they think you can steal two possessions per game. Uh, so I, I think first down run defense is going to be huge in college football this year um, because, look, the guys that know how to run it and that's what they do and they have the ability to run it, um, I, I think they can take two possessions away from an opponent. Uh, that's why I also think being having the ability to run the ball when you want to is so important in college football now. Amen. Because if you're up 17 points – and you win the line of scrimmage and you can run the ball when you want to, it's going to make it tougher for teams to come back on you. So if you have a big lead and you can run the football, if you have a big lead and you're a spread team and all you do is throw it around a lot horizontally, yeah, I mean, people say it's like the run game. Uh, it's a little different. But uh, if you get up and you have the ability to run the football, I think you have a huge advantage with this clock change. Then we kind of have a follow-up question here from East 8. He says, doesn't this also marginalize the advantage of defensive depth somewhat? Yeah, I definitely think it impacts it. Um, I think it, it, you, it can make it tougher to um, rotate players in and out throughout possessions. I mean, that that's the part of the chess game that will be interesting to see is how quickly are some teams going to snap that ball after a first down to keep teams – from rotating guys in. I, I think that's kind of the chess game. We have to see how that plays out from game to game, opponent to opponent. But uh, there's definitely a different strategy this year uh, for coaching staffs, especially on the offensive side of the ball. All right, we got another super chat here, guys, from Dax Kelm. He says, happy Friday. If Texas can put up 10 wins or maybe more, how will that change the 2024 commitment slash flips? Also, is Simmons recruiting for Texas? I, um, Justin, we'll both chime in on this. 
Look, is Colin Simmons recruiting for Texas? Of course. But here's, yes. but here's the thing people have to understand, I think, in the NIL day and age. There's more kids in their own lanes in recruiting now. This is not so much one guy commits and suddenly a windfall of recruits. That's not really how the game is, especially when you're recruiting nationally. These kids are all in their own lanes. I mean, I can tell you that if Brandon Baker picks Texas – does Colin Simmons committing to Texas help? It helps. Is that the reason Brandon Baker goes to Texas as a right tackle? No. And that's not in the knock on Colin Simmons. He's a great freaking player. It's just different. The, this, these kids maybe aren't as connected on some levels, um, especially when you're recruiting nationally. They all know each other. But a lot of these kids are in their own lane in recruiting now due to NIL. Um, if Texas – Justin – I think we're going to have the same answer on this, but Texas wins 10 or more games this year. Does it flip, change 2024 commitments and flips? I look more at 2025. The season always yeah. impacts future recruits. Can it yeah. help you on one or two guys? It does. But what helped, what helped Texas in 2022, even though they were five and seven? Cristobal taking the Oregon job. Early playing time. So now you're at a point where it's a different program now. You have you've if you win 10 on the field, you've gone from five to eight to 10, and you're it's definitely heading in the right direction. So that helps you more in 2025 and 2026. Wells, absolutely, it, 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 it does predict that that more, more so project more so to, to 2025. But don't get it twisted, we mentioned it earlier like a Wardell Mac, you know, Florida is probably going to be a 500 team this fall, Texas wins 10. Nothing, I, you know, you'll admit this too, Jerry. When Texas wins on the field, the momentum and the snowball effect is real. Like, yeah. it, it, it's palatable. You can see it. You can sense it. It, it becomes a, a real entity. And so Texas gets to 10 wins. That's why I, I'm with you on the top 10 class. I don't know how much inside the top 10 they can, they can get, just because it's going to be a different number uh, in this cycle. But there's going to be a couple guys that they want to flip. I guarantee you there's a couple guys they want to flip, and one in particular would be a Wardell Mack. That's a numbers buster, and that's a guy that you miss on a Corey and Gibson. You slide in a Wardell Mack, you haven't skipped a beat. And so uh, also Simmons recruiting for Texas very much, very much so. Hey, and by the way, so here's the thing to remember too. This 2024 class <clears throat> signs in not 90% in December or 95 probably at this point. Half of that class is already enrolled. When the 2023-2024 NFL draft happens and Texas has six, seven, eight, nine guys drafted, that doesn't impact that class. That's why I say 10 wins and a bunch of draft picks impacts 25, 26, and even 27 classes because Sark and those guys' message goes from building a program to ascending. We're going to be in the hunt. We have we have a loaded with talent. Guys are getting drafted. They're getting developed. Um, these guys want to hear their name called on draft day number one. And to do that, they have to be developed. Even the five star guys have to be developed. But if those guys come in, like Kelvin Banks starting last year was huge for Sarkeesian and staff at left tackle. If Cedric ba if Cedric Baxter starts Saturday, that's the number one running back in the country. Left his home state, Sunshine State, Florida State, where he was once committed, school he grew up loving comes to Texas and is really good from day one. Those things all matter in recruiting, but that's all going to impact future classes. 
no doubt about it. All right, guys. So obviously the Horns uh, first game tomorrow, but it's also a big weekend in Texas high school football. There's 14 top 10 matchups from 1A to 6A, and we'll run those down there at the ticker real quick. But Justin, this question regarding that is for you from Boomer Beats. It's the Super Chat, and he says, Justin, are you going to be in Waco tonight? Steak dinner's on me if so. Thank you, Justin. Take that, take that and run with it. Boomer Beats, I, I would love to, 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 to meet up for, for some steak dinner. I do have a question. Why the Boomer in the name? Is this an Oklahoma fan? Am I getting set up? Is this like a That's why I want you to go. I want to see what Texas happens. Football. This is a blind date. I want to see what happens. <laughs> you know what? Hey, if I wasn't taking my son tonight, I'd probably I'd probably catch up with Boomer for, for a bite of food. Hey, I, some of those games uh, – I, I saw Atascacita last week against uh, Dickinson guys. Jelani Watkins moving in the LSU commitment, the jet that was at Klein Forest. Um, Atascacita has a lot of skill talent, man. I mean, a lot. I, I, Katie, everything I'm hearing is they're a little down. I'm interested to see that game. Um, uh, I'm not going, but I'm interested to see, hear what happens with that game. Okay, let's see here. Dodge, uh, I'm sorry, King Me with the question here says, Give us your expert predictions for the score at halftime tomorrow. Is 28 to 0 too much to ask? I'm going 30. I'm going 35-7. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, I'm going to say 42 to nothing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. 42 to nothing. And JT Daniels has already thrown a pick six. Hey, by the way, JT Daniels has 45 career touchdowns in college football and 54 sacks. That's not a friendly stat. But, by the way, I put up a for our, our uh, live thread, our Rice uh, Texas weekend live thread on Inside Texas, I put up all four of his bios from all four of the colleges he went to <laughs> in one post. If people want to read up on – what everybody was saying about JT Daniels when he transferred in. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Probably as an eight-year-old. Well, as a senior in high school. I know. I know. He, he got the Bryce Harper, LeBron James um, love. And then remember, I, I was covering the Texas-USC game in 2018. And listen, JT Daniels didn't play that bad. Actually, he played decent. Uh, you know, it, it, they they want they wind up getting tripped up by just special teams and just better play. But um, JT Daniels is not a bad quarterback. He's going to play on Sundays for how long? Eh, that remains to be seen. 
But, yeah, I feel like there's a pick six in there somewhere. I feel like Manny Muhammad is just chomping at the bit to bite on a hitch and just house it. Well, speaking of JT Daniels, our next question actually comes from the Inside Texas Forum. He, they say it's from a DMAT, or I'm sorry, DMAT X, and he says, Rice quarterback JT Daniels' college career. Is it bad luck or bad quarterback? Bad quarterback. For little, me. Uh, a little bit of both. A little bit uh, of both. Look, USC was a dumpster fire with Helton. But then again, he had the chance to take over the Georgia program and couldn't take the keys. He couldn't hold yeah. on to the keys. Yeah. So I, I see both sides of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, – I, I, here's the thing I would say about JT Daniels. It's great for Rice, but it's only great for Rice if he gets out of this game healthy Saturday. Because I think if he, he's a difference maker for Rice this year, um, he's a much better quarterback. Rod Babers and I were talking about that. We have our first quarterback room coming out uh, at noon on On Texas Football. Um, but it, it's a big deal for Rice to get JT Daniels. And that's why I'm interest, interested to see how Bloomgren calls this game Saturday because the biggest key for Rice is getting him out of that game healthy for their season. Okay, we got a question here from Blake Boren. He says, what are the team slash situations that we should be waiting to implode to poach players from aside from Florida and A&M, of course? Who else? Well, that's, that's what's always interesting is the coaching carousel, guys. I mean, that impacts recruiting late so much. Um, look, Billy, Na- Billy Napier is not going to get fired this year. Uh, now, that 2024 schedule is a brute 11 power five. Team. I mean, he's got UCF, Florida, Florida State. I mean, is your non-conference? Give me a break. Um, no favors there for him. Uh, but, you know, in this one, I think, it, I think the coaching carousel, I'm not sure there's going to be turnover at programs that are going to impact the carousel from a firing coach standpoint. I mean, you know, your hot seat programs, Syracuse, Cal, I mean, maybe Houston, you go down the list of those. Could Baylor, if Aranda really takes a step back? We'll see. But it would be people retiring this year if something, or somebody going to the NFL. But that wouldn't be later. It would be more of a retirement situation this year for me. Okay, we got a super chat here, guys, from Fresh Prince 512. We want to thank him. And, Justin, I'm going to let you take this. They stopped producing talent when Justin moved there. I don't think that's any coincidence that those (laughs) programs went in the tank after Justin moved these Texans. (laughs) Justin, what do you have? (laughs) Why doesn't Tyler produce as many big-time recruits as back in the day? I was going through the Rivals database. There were years in the early 2000s when Tyler Lee or John Tyler had dozen-plus D1 recruits. Take it away, Justin. There is as many today as there was then. That hasn't changed. Is there an Adrian Peterson on one of these rosters coming up? Not really, because there's not any Adrian Petersons. Are Des Bryant's on these rosters? Not really. But look at the league. The NFL – Tyler's full of guys. Uh, Tyus Bowser, one of the best edge rushers in the game for the Baltimore Ravens. That's a JT guy. Um, the difference is private schools have really infringed on the high schools in Tyler. That, that They're big here, and there's so many of them now that each year they take two or three guys. And over the course of 10 years, that tends to make a difference. And don't get it twisted. Chapel Hill might be the most talented program in this city. 
And they've got some pretty exciting 2025 talent. Ricky Stewart, D- Demetrius Brisbane. Um, listen, there, there's plenty of talent in Tyler. There's plenty coming up. Cade McDaniel at Tyler High. I mean, th- you're talking about a track star from eighth grade. This is a kid that's going to be good. Um, and, and Tyler Legacy's got a couple kids that are coming up as well. I think I think we got to give Bo Trahan a chance and, and let that staff get to work at Legacy and really try to turn that around. But yeah, there's as many today as there was back then. It's just it's cyclical. It it, it, it goes in cycles. It changes. Listen, you, you say where are the guys at? Well, Casey Posen, the number one rated interior offensive lineman in the nation, he's right down the road, but he's committed to Alabama. Texas wasn't interested, and so. For every kid you mention, I can I can tell you, hey, there's a dominant kid at this position or a dominant kid at this school in, in, in this area. But until Nick Saban retires, <laughs> I think Alabama's going to have a leg up on a handful of these kids. And, and I would add it's similar to Golden Triangle, right, southeast Texas. A lot of families have moved closer to the Houston area for the job market. That's happened some in East Texas as well in the DFW area. Uh, so I, I don't think the numbers are probably what they used to be, but I think that's more influenced not by talent, but by people moving to the bigger cities for employment. And that does take away some of your uh, depth and talent. Here's something also to remember at Tyler, how much it's growing. It, it, it's got such a strong epicenter of, of, med- of, med- of medical, the medical field, and they're adding more of that. And so you're going to see probably a little bit more growth, actually, especially on the out, outer outer sides. You know, White House wasn't that big 20 years ago. Now it's a pretty big place. I think Bullard is headed in that direction. Uh, I think you'll see more growing out towards Palestine as well. And so it, it, it comes in cycles. You know, for every Adrian Peterson and Des Bryant, you have to wait another 10 or 20 years until one of those guys comes through. And right now, the number two athlete in the nation is from East Texas. That's Terry Bussey. And he's announcing on September 28th. And one of the most underrated players in this state is Vosky Howard from the same school. Amen. Very underrated. Uh, we got some more East questions for you, Justin. So we're going to stay on that theme for a Bring minute. Bring them. Uh, D- Dennis Donaldson says, Justin, do you consider Woodville, Groveton, Mound City to be East Texas? Oh, uh, yeah. Groveton's, Groveton's absolutely East Texas, by the way. So That's is Woodville. Woodville's yeah. right outside of Nacogdoches. Some people, people are like Woodville, some people like Woodville's a Southeast Texas. No, but I'm like, not. I don't know, that, man. That, that, then you start talking about Newton. I think Newton's that cutoff right there. Newton's Groveton? Are you kidding me? Rodney Thomas town, man. Come on. Groveton is definitely East Texas. <laughs> I have this next one from Tim Salinas. This is a super chat. Thank you, Tim. He says, Justin... Being an East Texas guy, do you have any nuggets about the Des Bryant recruitment? Why Oklahoma State? Did Texas pursue him? <laughs> Justin and I are both laughing. I'm not sure we can talk about this. I, well, I mean, we can say some of it. Yeah. We can say some of it. Um, okay, good question, Tim. Appreciate the, the super chat. Um, hey, let's start this off with this. Did he, finish his, did, did he finish his senior year at Lufkin? No. There you go. No. Okay. Why did I, this is a two part? Why Oklahoma State? Because somehow Oklahoma State was the only college in the nation that could get him qualified. And at the same time, I don't know how they did it because Kendall Hunter was a running back at John Tyler with the same problems with, with, with transcripts. And he still played at Oklahoma State. So for whatever reason, the Cowboys could take a bad transcript 
and make it really nice and shiny for, for just well, enough years to have them qualify. Well, there was a name involved that I'm not going to put out publicly, but people will be guessing in the comments. And it, it, it's tied to, at the time, it was tied to Dez, LaMichael James, a couple others. <laughs> so uh, I'm not throwing the name out here. But uh-uh. People yeah. will know. Uh, exactly. And so Dez had some different people pulling him in different directions, but understand this. I had a really good friend who was a, a college coach at the time recruiting in the area. And he, he went through Lufkin and he said, there is no way in hell Dez Bryant can qualify for a division one school. He's like, there's just not, it can't happen. And it, it, there's no way. So whatever Oklahoma state did, Hey, give him credit. Give him I credit. credit. Hey, when I heard he wasn't finishing his senior year uh, at Lufkin, I was like, Oh, he's getting in. Hey, did, did, LaMichael, did LaMichael James finish his senior year at Liberty no. Island? No, he did not. And I knew once he didn't, he was getting in. <laughs> no, because taking the math qualifications in Arkansas yes. are so low that you just have to enroll and you qualify. The the the, the, the application's a coloring book. Hey, uh, Bobby the Goat has a question that, man, I hate the bag on the old the, the staff at the time, but I want to answer that. It's at 8.59. All right, here we go. Bobby the Goat, Justin Jerry, what do y'all all remember about the Chris Whaley recruitment from Madisonville, Texas? What I remember about the recruitment, and I love Whaley as an athlete. Yes. Uh, not as a running a defensive tackle. What I remember about the uh, the recruitment was uh, Texas staff thought he was better than Christine Michael at Westbrook, and it blew my mind at the time. That blew my mind as a running back that they thought he was better than Christine Michael. I literally – Saw both of them five or six times. It was the big back thing, Jerry. You know that. Chris Whaley just was never a running back. It's no, just he was a defensive back. lineman that if he doesn't get injured, his senior year at Texas gets drafted. Yeah. He was having a great senior season up to that injury. And he actually played in the league for a cup of coffee. He was he played for the Cowboys for a year. I think he played for a couple other teams. Chris Whaley could have been an incredible defensive lineman. He went the Henry Melton route. He thought he was going to run the ball. But his best play was on the other side. That's back when in the recruiting process, some prospects or people around them are being promised they were going to be the only guy at the position taken. And that was just not smart for by the, the best recruiter I've ever been around. But, you, I mean, Christine Michael would have come to Texas. Period. Okay, we, we got a uh... – Michael Goodson, too. <laughs> well, that wasn't going to happen because of Des Bryant. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering if you'd mention that. <laughs> you made me. <laughs> All right, y'all. We are worldwide today. Pranav Gandhi says, hello from India. I've drank the Kool-Aid since Charlie Strong was playing tug-of-war during practice. Rough days. How do I keep motivated and continue to stay awake at 3 a.m. in India to watch Texas games? Get off the Kool-Aid. Um, Get on something stronger. <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I can. I, I'll say this. Most talented Texas team they've had in a long time. That doesn't mean you're going to go play in the college football playoff. You have to go win games. Getting over the hump from 8 to 10, it's, there's a natural progression. Maybe you could zip past it. But um, the talent in the program is where you want it to be. That That's you stay awake in, knowing that the talent in the program is back to where it needs to be. And the staff is developing players in Austin. That's been in question a lot of times in the last 12, 15 years, right? So the player development piece is huge. 
It's one thing to bring in talent. It's another thing to have it developed. I mean, think about the guys that are going to be drafted this year for Texas. Tavondre Sweat, three-star guy. Byron Murphy comes out, low four-star guy, three-star by some. We had him as a four. Um, Alfred Collins, people act like he was a five-star. He really wasn't. He was ranked 78 in the on-three industry rankings. But, you know, Jade Barron was a low four-star, high three-star, depending on what you look at, right? I mean, these Texas is developing talent. That's something to really feel good about with this staff uh, is when you look at the guys that are going to be drafted, uh, they weren't all nationally recruited players. So this staff come, came in, and a lot of these guys were already on campus, but they've developed them and helped develop them and get them to be able to live out their dreams. That's a, that's one reason to stay engaged and be excited moving forward. Okay, guys, uh, we're at the top of the hour now. We're going to go a little bit longer today. So for those that, that have missed the beginning of the show, Jerry, I wanted you to go over – Dominic McKinley again one more time because we're still getting lots of questions about that. And uh, we'll, we'll what's take going on with Dominic McKinley today? For some reason, we're hearing his name. I don't know. Yeah, uh, somebody asked how big Chris Whaley was in high school. Six three, two thirty five, two forty. Senior year was he six three? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, maybe okay. six three and a half. I mean, six he was, three and a half. I thought yeah. he was shorter than that. Nah, nah, he was he was tall. He was tall. I still remember the picture of him riding around on a horse. I thought it was hilarious. Um. But uh, uh, the horse was working hard, man. Um, but I'll say this. Um, as far as Dominic McKinley, I put in a pick for AM. I think Justin is uh, doing the same. Um, look, it's uh, he didn't notify any schools until this morning around 7.30, start notifying those schools, and uh, Texas will not be the pick. The interesting thing about the recruitment is there are some reports that Texas was out, and this is why I always hesitate and too, too much experience in this business. You got to go all the way through the whistle. If you ask coaches to recruit through the whistle, you better cover recruiting through the whistle. They there was over 10 texts with the Texas staff yesterday within the McKinley family. Does that sound like a school that's out? No, Texas wasn't out of that. Um, it was trending away, uh, for sure. Um, it's just an interesting recruitment, Justin, because you and I have talked about it on shows. There were times where AM didn't think they were in it. There was a time where Oklahoma didn't think they were in it. It's it's very Jalen Ford brought Jalen Ford another three star. So this has been a recruitment, especially when you get down to it and you have family members may not be on the same page um, in the recruitment. It, it gets very interesting and fun to cover, not fun for fans, but fun for us to kind of dig around and and really cover, but be careful at the same time. <clears throat> All right, let's take a question regarding that. Um, this is from Cinco de Mayor. He says, who does Texas focus on next on the defensive line after losing out on McKinley? Well, it, we'll see. We'll see on that. I mean, they may circle back on um, some guys or some guys may circle back on them. But <clears throat> one thing we know about this Texas staff, look, they, they did it at the end of the last cycle. They brought in a kid, Justin Benton, who I think is going to be a very, very good player at Houston. They decided not to take him, um, and they could have had him. He was a West Virginia commit, but he was going to back out of that. Um, and I think he was a very underrated uh, recruited player. Um, so they're going to they'll take a look at some guys, uh, see what happens with some guys that committed elsewhere this season uh, that they they still like. Um, what could happen in the coaching carousel within seasons, things like that. But they're not going to move to B guys. 
If they just sign the three they have, they'll probably go to the portal and look for another Trill Carter type of player. You're not going to get a war daddy D lineman out of the portal, not in college football. If if one goes in, there's normally a pretty good reason. And one went in last year that's very talented and Texas didn't mess with it. So it, it'll be the right guy. Okay, let's do some super chats, guys. Colton here says, were Texas second half struggles last season due to lack of depth? Injuries at the wide or what injured injuries at the wide receiver position, and do you expect them to improve in twenty three? Wide receiver wasn't the, the wasn't the primary reason. If that that question's kind of structured that way, but the lack of depth was a problem, and and I've mentioned this before. The Isaiah Nayor injury was the one injury that tripped up Texas season completely last year. Because they lost that deep threat, that vertical threat that that Sark needs for this offense to thrive. And so then you started putting Xavier Worthy in spots that he wasn't necessarily comfortable with and and had a difficult time with at times. And at the end of the day, it, obviously there were every position had its own issues, but wide receiver needed depth. That's why this wide receiver room got an overhaul in the offseason. That's why an Adnan Mitchell was added. That's why a Jonte Cook and a Ryan Niblett and a DeAndre Moore, the focus was on bringing in guys that could make an impact. So the wide receiver room, that injury to Isaiah Nayor was debilitating for this program last year. Him and Ewers had such a good, they were so in sync from spring ball. That was going to be his guy. And so I'm actually anxious to see how far along Naylor is going to be against Rice. I, I want to see kind of what role he's going to be in the rotation. Second half struggles, there were a lot of different reasons, from play calling to um, just you know injuries, death. There were a lot of different reasons. But for receivers specifically, it wasn't that deep. And now it's one of the deepest positions in the program. Uh, somebody yeah. asked Texas at 16 current – commitments right now how many will they sign this class i still stick with 23 being a number to look at yeah 23 24 23 24 last year jelani mcdonald and warren roberson weren't on the texas radar warren roberson got on the texas radar tonight a year ago when texas went to watch allington seguin play red yeah Yeah. how close is andrew luckton coming to texas oh don't make me do this woodcrest oh Mac, I thought Mac, I thought Mac told him they were they were going with Connor Wood or something. No, what, no. What was it? Because Mac, I know he came to visit. Uh, no, luck, luck would have come to Texas, but, and he um, left in tears. No, yeah, um, because they already had a junior Garrett Gilbert. And That's right. To take a quarterback in that class, which that was a great decision. Stratford High, baby. Okay, Justin, you got a, a follow-up here from Boomer Beats. He says his name's Boomer Beats because he feels old when he's online. Well, well then you should definitely go to dinner with Justin. <laughs> Listen, I'm old like Bobby Burton old, okay? <laughs> we're, Bobby and I are like almost the same age. Like we were we were at the same time. We were when when we were young in the Great Depression. And so um yeah, Boomer Beats. I'm going to take you up on that one time. I, I promise you, I really do appreciate the offer. I love a steak. And so I'm going to take you up on that one time. I'll have my son with me tonight. And so we're going to be hanging out with Kobe Black's parents. But any other time, Boomer Beats, hit me up. And I'll be coming through because Kobe Black's not going to be the last uh, prospect in, in the city of Waco. I just want to let you know, you probably just opened the floodgates for Kobe Black questions here in just a minute. Well, good, because we've got to stop getting – I mean, Dominic McKinley's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> so keep asking. 
<laughs> All right, Ashton Holloman with the Super Chat, guys. He says, howdy, Jerry, Justin, and Blake. What conference are Oregon State and Washington State going to go to? That's a great question. I mean, I get, I, it's got to be the WAC. I mean, that's that's it's got to be. Mountain West. You know what's bad? You know what's sad about that? Oregon State guy's done a really good job. He have a really good job. They actually got a good team, Jerry. Yeah. And yeah. you know what? Their tailback is sophomore out of Louisville, Texas. Yeah. Damian no Martinez was a steal. They took Montreal Hatton out of Carthage last year. They let Damian Haskins out of New Boston a few years ago. They let uh, Jermon McCoy out of White House in the oh, last I love cycle. that cat. They love come – Oregon State loves them some East Texas, so Justin likes the Beavers. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's see here. We have Kobe Black question from Derek. He says, is Kobe still a corner recruit for Texas? Seems Always. he's outgrowing the position. No, he's no. not outgrowing it. He's just playing safety because in high school, you have to put your best player back there at safety, whereas in college, you put that best guy on the corner, on the island. Kobe Black is a corner through and through. He is a uh, uh, um, field corner at that. And, um, no, he's not going anywhere. Uh, and and uh, people can look up the uh, talking ball with Rod Babers. The first one we did last week, we started with defensive backs right in Rod's wheelhouse. What he loved about Kobe as a corner was how patient he is. And he talk, he talks about that. Go look that up. Uh, we we covered all the DB commitments, Santana Wilson, uh, Jordan Johnson Rebel. We broke those down with Rod and I. And then we went to the targets, Kobe Black, a um, couple other guys as well. Uh, so go back and look at that. It's uh, Kobe Black as a corner all the way. He's just going to be a big corner. Hey, Austin Beverly at 910 has a question we need to drop in on, I think. Austin Beverly, 9-10, putting me on the spot here. Oh, yeah, I already started. Uh, he said, Justin and Jerry, over under three and a half draft picks for Texas in first, first, second rounds of the – or first two rounds of the 24 draft. I'm thinking Ewers, Worthy, Sanders will happen with the potential of AD and Alfred Collins going too. Y'all saw it. First two rounds, three and a half. So here's how I'm going to say this. Um, if Texas wins 10 games in the regular season – then that number is going to be above three and a half. It's going to go to four. Um, it, because that means the guys who need to play like high draft picks will have played like high draft picks. They'll have had those type of seasons. They're going to elevate them and ascend them in the uh, NFL draft. Rod and I talked about this Wednesday night on the live stream. And this is kind of how we see it playing out as of right now. Quinn Ewers is going in the first round. He's going to be the first Longhorn picked in the 2024 draft. That's Pretty much done. Um, a lot of people have him mocked to Washington in the 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 range. And I think that's probably safe. He'll go after Caleb Williams and Drake May. I think those are your first two picks in the draft, actually. Um, Quinn will go first. Then it's all bets off because I think Jatavian Sanders is more of an NFL prospect in that next range in the first round. I don't know if Worthy is a first-round guy as much as maybe a second-round guy. I think this season, you know, kind of talk about what Jerry means about, you know, if they if they have 10 wins, that means some of these guys have played like NFL prospects. Worthy, it, Worthy will play like one. If he's a first-rounder this year, Worthy's going to play like one. He's either going to be Devontae Smith or he's going to be Henry Ruggs. It's one or the other. And so he's he, he'll, he'll get in the mix as well. Alfred Collins is going to get drafted in the second, third, fourth round simply because of his size. Simply because because that's what the NFL looks for. Looking for potential. Value in in that potential. 
And by the way, by the way, Jade Barron is the fringe first, second round grade headed into this year. That's kind of an unexpected as far as his grade goes. So he's a guy who has a chance. Yeah, uh, I don't think that's unexpected, Jerry. I really what? don't. I think Barron can play corner at the next level seamlessly. And you agree with that, too. Two guys that I think – this was the interesting thing that Rod and I spoke about. Jaron Thompson and Jalen Catalan are going to be on the on NFL rosters next year. I don't think they're getting drafted. I think they'll be the undrafted free agent round. That and, and by the way, take, Cat- Cat- doesn't Cat- take anything away from them, too. Catalan only because of the medical. That medical. being 5'9". I, I don't matter. I don't care. It's only well, because of the man NFL cares. Cat, Catalan's a great player. Catalan's he's got a, a lot of Bob Sanders to his game. Yeah, he's a great player. He, he's just his medical is going to be his issue. Else, as he's he easily be a draft pick. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that number goes up as long as they uh, get to ten like that. in the regular season. That means they're uh, those their top players are playing like it. Look, Byron Murphy's another guy, third fourth round guy. Maybe not enough twitch to go first second. But as a player, he could be that level. But Jalen Ford, Jalen Ford won't get out of the third round. He would have gone in the third last year. He's not getting out of the third round. Christian Jones, I could see a fifth, sixth round type pick as well. By the way, somebody was commenting on Houston's Oiler jerseys, the Houston Cougars Oiler jerseys. I love those. By the way, I I love. Can you not? I think they're awesome. That's a great uniform. I think it's still a sin that Tennessee gets to wear those. And Tennessee's going to wear the, the throwbacks this year the, with the Derek. I have a problem with that. But, Derek, I agree I agree with that. I mean, look. Te- no, Isaac. Yeah, <laughs> not for me. Isaac, <laughs> no. The, 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 this isn't Oregon. This isn't Baylor that has changed their team colors week to week, jersey to jersey. I think Texas a throwback, has one color and one uniform, uniform, and that ain't ever changing. Bobby mentioned a throwback uniform. I'm okay with that, but not like we're not 63 one with the with yeah. the numbers on the top yeah. of the horns. Yeah. Outstanding. I love yeah. it. Throw throwback Alter, uniform. Alternate jerseys, never gonna happen. Same way you don't see it with USC, the same way you don't see it with Alabama. Not happening. <laughs> All right, so our last question was an over and under question, but and so is the super chat. Uh, Football Junkie says over or under five sacks against Rice. You know, Daniels is a statue, so I'm I'm going under, but I wouldn't be surprised if they get to him a few times. Um, I, I'm gonna go push on that because the last over under was four and a half, I think, and I took the over, so I'm gonna take a push at five. Um, that's, and, that's, and that's bad news for Bloomgren because that means his the, his quarterback's getting hit a lot. Good news for Baron Sorrell. Uh, we got some more super chats we got to catch up on, guys. Edmund Lee says, "What which state has become the best state to recruit?" So I, I, I thought for a long time uh, it's Florida. Uh, and look, I'll I, take Texas. You tell us why Florida. Yeah, it's it's Florida for me, and it has been for a, a while. And that's I think Texas is top three. Um, I'm not sure Georgia's not two right now. Um, here's why I love Florida as a state to recruit in, and just doing national stuff, run, helping run the Under Armour camps and game, and living in Florida for a few years. There's more raw prospects coming out of that state. But I'll tell you what, I, I say this all the time. I hadn't been in a high school in that state where somebody didn't run four or five. Okay, that they those dudes, they may not show it on the track because it's not a track state. Those dudes are fast and physical, and they are raw. 
there's no athletic periods outside of your private schools. You may have three full-time coaches. So there's a reason why a Calvin Ridley, who I went to see at Monarch High School, we had in the Under Armour game, 19 and a half years old as a senior. He was an old senior. He weighed 158 pounds. He was 182 when he played his first game. I asked the kid, what do you eat? I have I eat two peanut butter sandwiches every day. I mean, look, the kids grew up a little tough down there. It's a different world, but those kids are highly competitive, but their athletic ceilings haven't even been scratched off the surface, unless you're at a St. Thomas Aquinas. Uh, what a power private schools, but in the public schools, it's nothing against the coaches, the setup, the money. Everything's not there for those kids, and they are all raw. That's why you see um, so many of those kids come out, and they just make huge weight strength gains and just really just ascend on the field. I think that I think football. I think Texas, Georgia, are kind of two three for me. Uh, they have a great high school setups. I think Georgia's done a good job copying the Texas model in a lot of ways. Um, those states maybe create a few more finished products, but I'll tell you what makes Georgia so good. I'm not sure the Atlanta metro area hasn't isn't the best place to recruit right now. They have big athletes. They have quarterbacks. They have every position at a high level in the greater Atlanta area. That's why Georgia's probably the top recruiting job in the country right now for me because they have Atlanta. They have the state of Georgia. They have Florida to the south. They have Alabama to the west, and they have the Carolinas to the east. It's a really good recruiting job. There's a reason Clemson uh, got to where they did in recruiting. And that's a good point of, of Clemson and Georgia, why they come to Texas for a lot of their recruits. Yeah. I mean, you're not you're gonna you gotta recruit nationally, right? That's I mean, it. that's the thing. And it, I think you could go position by position. For raw athletes, I agree with you. South Florida is just different. I remember talking, I remember Charlie Strong used to talk about it. He's like, yeah. listen, the a- athletes in South Florida are just different. You know, South Louisiana, South Florida, East Texas, South, you know, Golden Triangle. They're just they're just a kind of a different breed down there. You want a quarterback, you come to Texas. Or Cali. Or California. Or California. The interesting thing about California, guys, to finish this is they used to be one in just producing Division One players. Yeah. But here's the crazy thing about California is there's not as many big kids playing football there. So, like, I, I used to be over the Under Armour camp in Los Angeles, and it would be my job to fill that camp. I couldn't find 26 power five, lock power five offensive linemen in that state in one class or even combining it in two classes – because, you know, you got to have 35 invites to get 26 power five offensive linemen there. They weren't there. That's why USC's coming to Texas for offensive line like they are. Their big bodies are not there in California, which is amazing for the population in that state. They're not playing. They're playing beach volleyball. They're playing beach volleyball. They're clean eaters, baby. Clean eaters. They're playing beach volleyball. Hey, that's oh. what a college coach said. <laughs> He's joking around saying they're clean eaters that play beach volleyball. They don't want they don't want to weigh 290 and play football. <laughs> all right. So the chat's still blowing up about alternate uniforms. So I'm going to jump to this super chat from Rich Thompson. He says, So everyone can have an alternate uniform except us because we are Texas. Such crap. We're leaving millions of dollars in the crapper, all because we're too good for it. He thinks it's BS. I think my buddy Rich is a baseball fan, and he likes that his favorite baseball team has 27 different jerseys, 48 different hats, 
and they alternate colors every other weekend. You can turn on a, a baseball game now, and you don't know that they'll have completely different colors. The San Diego Padres. Padres are pink. <laughs> They're pink. I love the Chicago Cubs are wearing red and black in, in dedication to the Blackhawks. It's ridiculous. Everyone can have an alternate uniform. Rich, everyone doesn't. USC doesn't. Alabama doesn't. Texas doesn't. They won't. Oh, man. All right. Jesse Wyatt here, guys. He says, I'm from Dallas, born and raised, but I'm a huge fan of Longview and East Texas football. I'm driving to Timpson versus Dangerfield next Friday for that showdown. Lufkin versus Longview the following week. Man, I wish Terry Bussey was back for that Dangerfield game. They would absolutely wax Dangerfield. And then Longview Lufkin's going to be good because Lufkin's coming back up. Lufkin's getting better. They're cycling back up. And Longview got tripped up week one. Longview, Longview, Longview's a little down this week, this year. And that's with one of the best tailbacks in the country, Taylor Tatum. Hey, that, and that this is the second part to that question about the states in football, as far as best area, states to recruit. Here's the thing I can tell you. I used to uh, do uh, local TV for Friday night high school football games uh, in South Florida and when I lived there. There may be 2,000 people in the stands, and there may be 15 Power 5 prospects on the field. Where, where Texas is unquestionably the best to me. My favorite high school game, if you said you had to pick one game every year to go to, it's Lufkin Longview for me. And it has been for years and years, dating back to probably when my dad was coaching at Nacogdoches, and I really started following that stuff. Um, game, Especially when it's at Longview. Justin, you know it. The wolf, the, the wolf noise at in the Longview game when Lufkin siren. Longview. The that, siren it, at Longview. If Lufkin plays at Longview, everybody should go watch that game one time that loves high school football. That's what I gotta tell you. It's the best game. I, I if I had to one, that would be it. Don't don't forget to hit Abe Martin Stadium when it's in Lufkin, because that's yeah, one of oh, the best crazy. stadiums in, in East Texas. It's always a good game because you have two programs that kind of mirror each other. They both play really hard and the kids are really well coached and they're tough and they're just tough man they're just tough tough. kids okay guys let's see here we got time for just a little bit more and this first one uh from woodcrest he says jerry how is it texas looking for 2025 corner devin sanchez well, I'm going to get over there next week, actually. Um, look, I mean, he's scheduled to be at AM this weekend. Uh, he, he, Ohio State's right there in the mix. He'll be on campus at Texas uh, this season at some point. But we'll get a lot more on that next week, actually talking uh, to people at North Shore and um, seeing exactly where things stand. But this, one's, this one will take a little while to play out. Okay, this next question from Quentin, guys. Says, Justin or Jerry, if Cedric Baxter takes over the starting role at running back this year, does Jonathan Brooks transfer next year? I doubt it because it's not going to be uh, it's it, it's not going to be a one man show. It, 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 running back by committee is the new thing in football, and 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 Sark is going to balance that out. So I, I don't think it's going to be. It, it's similar to Rashawn Johnson not starting at Texas. He, he didn't want to transfer because he's getting as many carries as, as the starter was in a lot of cases. I think you'll have that with Baxter and with Brooks. Okay. And then when we were on the uh, the topic of high school football just a second ago, I was trying to find this question. Couldn't until just now. 
Cade Roman says, Jerry, how did Jonah Williams for ball look last night? Also, is Texas recruiting Malcolm Simpson? Simpson uh, is a big, good-looking guy, Jerry. Yeah, Simpson, uh, you know, he's he's got a lot of uh, uh, upside. He's got a long way to go to get there. Yeah. Um, he's kind of a tweener. He, he's probably – he's a D-tackle athlete, but he's an edge frame right now. We'll see where that goes. Probably 6'3 and a half, 240. Um I'd have liked to have seen him be a little more explosive last last night. I mean, in Texas City really they did a they did a pretty good job running the ball uh in the AM AMB gaps last night um against Galveston Ball. Jonah Williams, um hellacious athlete. Uh, he's gonna be a guy that uh will have a pick of two sports where he has a chance to be a professional at one day if he stays healthy. Um, he's got to continue to get more physical because he's going to be a linebacker. He's going to be 6'3", 230, 235 with an 80-inch wingspan. So he's got to continue to get more physical. He had a couple of big hits last night, but it's the consistency of that. Uh, but the other thing with the kids like that I always say is when you go watch him play, just remember this about Jonah Williams. Last night, for instance, in first three quarters, he played safety. He played wide receiver. He returned punts. He was on a couple other special teams. He And it's really hot right now, right? These kids get tired. They're still 16, 17 years old. So you got to catch him in the first seven, eight minutes of that game to see him 100% when he's not winded. So just always remember that. I used to say that about Quandre Diggs. These guys that play all over the place, if you see him in the third, fourth quarter, does he play hard every snap? Well, he may just be – really tired he plays both sides of the ball uh so that doesn't mean he doesn't have a motor he doesn't play hard jonah plays hard my thing with him if his physicality matches his talent watch out that'll be his key at the next level all right let's go two more questions guys this first one is super chat from brandon huey he says what's y'all's drink of choice what you sipping on tomorrow people will be making fun of me if i give that up and no (laughs) it's not, it's not in this you got to tell us now. You can't just say that, man. Justin, you go first. Uh, white chocolate mocha, latte, Starbucks. That's no, that's drink. not what they're talking about. That's all I drink. You know I don't drink. <laughs> that's my favorite drink from Starbucks too, Justin. Yeah, so man, well I, done. I, I'm drinking. Okay, so do I have to bring the conversation? Apple teeny, somebody's apple close. Okay. <laughs> Close. You got to remember. You got to remember. I lived about three miles from the beach for six years. I, I, I love coconut rums, man. I just do. Malibu. People can make fun of it. I love coconut rums. I you, just you were the you were the dude that used to drink those wine coolers when you come to the high school. No, no, not <laughs> at all. High school. No, no, no. Jerry come to the party and he had that wine cooler and he's like, "Man, I'm feeling a little buzzed. I drank it with a straw." I, I didn't. I didn't have a drink of alcohol until I was 27 years and two days. Um, but uh, you know, it's I. Lo- I also love it, it. It's just something again. Living by close to the beach, I love Aperol spritzes. Y'all can take shots at me. I don't care. They're good. I'm, I miss Coors Light. I miss cold beer, man. Just a nice, it, especially when it's been 140 degrees outside, man. I miss a nice cold beer, man. A Coors Light. I used to drink back in the day. I don't anymore. Sorry, Brandon. Sorry to. To burst your bubble. It's an iced tea house over here. We, we drink lots of coffee, iced tea, lemonade. My son's big on juice. No well, liquor. 
Right now, I'm currently drinking Adios Pantalones. Well, not right now, but what is that? At the moment, that's just his way of saying the chat's over. <laughs> <laughs> From Rar Brewery in Fort Worth. You're drinking a beer? Not right now, right now. But oh. I'm saying like right now. Like, <laughs> It's a little oh, early for a beer at 9 30. Dang, Blake, you're already drinking a cold beer? <laughs> Coffee right now. Dang, man, I was about to say, man, salute. Because <laughs> it's like those LSU fans. I don't know if you've ever hung out with LSU fans. Nobody drinks like them. Nobody. I don't care what school you go to, I don't care what's rated the highest party school. Nobody drinks like LSU fans. 5 a.m., they are up drinking. I've tried some fans. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've tried it. 5 a.m. By two, you want a nap. You can't. You can't handle those guys. By seven o'clock, they're so ripe and feisty. Woo! Yeah, Respect. I don't, how, I don't see how they do it. Somebody said no Bud Light. Yingling Flight's pretty good. We'll have more on that in the tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> I'm still wondering what what Blake's doing drinking beer on a Friday morning. Like, he's got a coffee mug. He's like, look, it's it's coffee. <laughs> Coffee. At this point in time, currently, <laughs> no wonder Blake's slurring. No oh, man. <laughs> All right, last questions from Zachary Mead. He wants to know y'all score prediction for the Rice game tomorrow. We did have time earlier. What's your final on the Rice game? I've got what? Texas forty-five, Rice ten. It's going to be 42 to nothing at halftime, remember. So I think I had 56 13 in our inside Texas prediction. And that doesn't mean Texas, people are big. I'm going to be disappointed if Rice scores 13. Well, what if you score a late fourth quarter touchdown? I mean, you know, it's like at that point, does it really matter? Don't get disappointed. Listen, every fan does not care what the score is going to be after the game, every fan wants to see who's the backup quarterback going to be trotted out in the third quarter. <laughs> by the way, by the way, UCF put an absolute woodshed beating on Kent State last night. They're, they're, they're going to upset somebody in the Big 12 this year. John Rice Plumley is one of the best athletes in the conference. He's perfect for that system, too. Absolutely. They're going to upset somebody this year. It's going to be – Absolutely. I love Cam Martin, former former gold, Golden Triangle prospect, running back coach at UCF now. I, I think they're going to sneak up and bite some people, Jerry. I think you're right. And and Kent State's helmets, elite, <laughs> elite. Which roster is better? Last question, Blake. Go Which roster is better, TCU twenty twenty two or Texas twenty twenty three? That's actually a good question. So TCU had seven or eight players drafted last year, had a Heisman Trophy finalist, and lost sixty five seven in the national championship game. Which is just something funny to say. And his quarter and the quarterback got cut from yeah. he's not on an NFL roster. Um, I think one through eighty-five, Texas is better. Uh, does that mean they're better in the the first twenty-two? We'll find out. All right, Jerry, real quick, tell everybody what you got coming up at noon today. Now, at noon today, we have a first quarterback room. Rod Babers and I, we're going to take a weekly look at. The Texas quarterback room, Quinn Ewer's performance. We're going to kind of take a look at the opponent quarterback for that week. This week, we Rod also got his thoughts on Trey Owens. I've had my thoughts. We'll mix in some guests from time to time. So that's going to be weekly during, uh, at least during the football season. We may go a little deeper than that. But so next week will be a big one. This week, we talk about Rice, obviously, in the quarterback room headed into the season. 
next week will be crazy because it's going to be a former Texas commit, uh, Jalen Milrow, talked about in the quarterback room, along with how the Texas quarterbacks played in week one. But that's out at noon today. Rod, take, take, a, take a look, take a listen, see what Rod Babers and I I have to say about the Texas quarterback room, JT Daniels, uh, Trey Owens, and then uh, we'll have that weekly. Um, and then obviously, uh, Blake, this three to four today is a big, big show from the co-op. That's right. So as Jerry said, three to four co-op with Bobby and Rod. It's a, it's like a happy hour. They're going to have special deals on UT gear. So be sure to go out there and see them. Jerry, I know you're going to be checking in occasionally throughout that hour time. Uh, so it'll be the first one. They'll be doing it at every home game, the Friday of every home game. And this will be the first one. So go see Bobby and Rod three to four at the co-op today. And then tomorrow, guys, is going to be a big one as well. Uh, it'll start off at 8 a.m. with the Saturday Convo. And uh, you can either listen at home or download for the drive to Austin for the game. Uh, again, 8 a.m. Saturday Convo. And then from 2 to 2.15, the watch with us starts. It'll be Aaron Hogan hosting along with Bobby, Jerry, Rod, and Ian joining throughout the game. Post-game will be Rod and Andrew Kelson. They'll join Bobby. And then Bobby and Jerry are probably going to do a little more extra live stream mid-morning before all the games start. So, man, between noon and tomorrow after the game, you got a loaded schedule right here on On Texas Football. And then, of course, all your other information on InsideTexas.com. Be sure to hit that like and subscribe button. Definitely want to ring the bell because there's going to be so much content going on. You want to be notified of when that happens. So be sure to do that. And then, as we said, head over to InsideTexas.com for all the latest and greatest in Longhorn coverage. And, yeah, so for Jerry Hamilton and Justin Wells, I'm Blake Monroe, and uh, we'll see you next time.